Philanthropy. It's all about giving to the causes that matter to you the most and making a real difference in the lives of others. Humanitarians understand this is not an activity reserved only for the wealthy. In fact, being a humanitarian is all about living your life with purpose, on purpose. It becomes a way of life and a way to truly experience living life to the fullest. Everyone is born with the ability to be a humanitarian. This podcast is for humanitarians by humanitarians. We'll learn from guests who will inspire, motivate, and help you step into living your best life with purpose. My name is Nancy Landa. Welcome to Cause Talk Radio. I've got a real treat for you today. My guest on today's show is a returning guest, Pastor Earl Wallace. Earl is the author of Three Dimensional Leader, Negotiating Your Mission, Resources, and Context, which he has taught throughout America, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East to help people to think differently so they truly can do better. Earl is a patriot, having served in the U.S. Army. He has been a high school English teacher, a Christian musician, a Bible conference teacher, and was a Tea Party spokesperson from 2008 to 2011. In 2014, Earl founded the Liberty Christian Fellowship Church near Albany, New York. There he serves as pastor and teaches that the Bible applies to every aspect of life, including civics. Pastor Earl teaches the biblical basis of the Bill of Rights to call Americans to reaffirm our biblical, God-given, Ten Commandments, unalienable rights upon which American culture was founded. Pastor Earl was, has volunteered at Camp Constitution for 11 summers and has presented at numerous other events in multiple states as the Camp Construction First Amendment Specialist. Today is going to share with us the First Amendment free speech flag case filed with the Supreme Court of the United States. Camp Constitution filed the case against the city of Boston, Massachusetts, for refusing to let Camp Constitution raise the Christian flag during a Constitution Day event at the Boston Commons in 2017. Welcome back to the show, Earl. Well, thank you, Nancy. It's a pleasure to be here. I'd like to start today by asking if you'd say a prayer for all of my listeners. Absolutely. Father God, we come before you in the wonderful, powerful, uh, all-healing uh, name of Jesus Christ, who is our Alpha and our Omega, our beginning and our end. Lord God, we pray that your Holy Spirit, which wrote your Bible, which is in most of us here, um, and I pray that is also uh, around those who uh, need to come to Christ and submit to him and become born again, per John 3, 3, that the Holy Spirit that wrote your Bible would stir us up and quicken us, Father, so we can understand who you are, what you are like, and more importantly, what we can be like in relation to who you are. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. amen. Thank you. So I want to hear all about that Supreme Court case for sure. But first, let me ask you, the term separation of church and state has been thrown around a lot over the years as if it were constitutional law. Since the Constitution was written with Christian principles, why was there ever a perceived need to separate church and state? And so where did that term originate? How has it been allowed to be so understood and mis misused? I know that this is something you've really delved into, and I really want to pick your brain about it a little bit, if you don't mind. Not at all. The phrase separation of church and state neither appears in the U.S. Constitution. 
or any of America's founding documents. And it, you can't justify it from the Bible, from reading scripture. Because if God wanted to separate himself from the state, he never would have drowned Pharaoh's army in the sea right. when that man led his state to disobey God. The disciples would never have told the scribes and the Pharisees, who I call the politically appointed religious crowd, uh, they were appointed by the Roman government, they would have never said we have to obey God rather than man when they told them to quit preaching the gospel because the gospel was changing the state's culture. And um, throughout scripture, after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego survived the, um, the fiery furnace and Daniel survives the lion's den, the application of the Bible to every aspect of life, including civics changes the culture because the king says from this point forward, we have to acknowledge that the God of the Bible is, is, the, is the God of gods. So that's why people always want to separate biblic, the application of biblical Christianity from the state because the Bible changes people who change culture. And when leaders change, they change the culture. They'll change the laws. Godly people will make godly laws. The Bible and the U.S. Constitution were so intertwined or interconnected in the minds and the hearts of America's founding fathers, founding generations, founding mothers, that they gave us the tradition that they would swear that we would swear upon one to uphold the other. The Bible and the U.S. Constitution are so intertwined in the minds of America's founders that they gave us the tradition of swearing upon the Bible that we would uphold the U.S. Constitution. The actual phrase separation of church and state may have originated, um, I believe it originated uh, within the minds of the founding fathers because they fled um, constitutional, I'm sorry, they fled institutional Catholicism in Europe. They fled government enforcement of Catholicism in Europe. Atheists, they didn't flee atheism when they came to America for religious freedom. They came because they wanted to practice biblical Christianity versus the Roman Catholic form of Christianity. The Roman Catholic form of Christianity was modeled after the Caesars that called that proclaimed themselves as God. And all a Christian had to do in the first century to avoid the um, uh, lion's den or the Colosseum was to walk into a temple somewhere, pinch a little incense and say, Caesar is, is Lord. And the Christians weren't going to tell people that lie because that lie will send you to hell. That violating 10 commandments, number one and two, are the foundations for salvation. I'm sorry, that violating 10 commandments, one and two, are the foundations for going to hell. If you don't pray to, if you don't pray to the right God, you're not getting anywhere with God. And the Bible dedicates a lot of scriptural real estate to this statement. If you worship idols, I overthrow your nation. And when God attacks nations, he says, I'm attacking your idols. So the religion is the foundation of the culture. We all organize our, our lives around how we're going to practice our religion. Our, for a Bible-believing Christian, your work week is really organized around getting to church on Sunday because the Bible, the religion is the most important thing in relationship with God. And it's like it's the same for every culture and every, every religion, even the false ones. So because the founding fathers fled um, institutionalized, government-supported, government-enforced Catholicism, because Catholicism and Islam both always use government power to enforce their religion and to persecute 
the people that are not of that religion, primarily Bible-believing Christians and Jews, Torah Jews. The founding fathers said, look, we want to make sure that the government cannot interfere with religion. And in 1804, I think it is, or 1803, it might I think it's 1804, when Thomas Jefferson became president, the uh, Danbury Baptist Association in Danbury, Connecticut, were concerned that Thomas Jefferson, who must have been some kind of an amazing, intense believer, because they were afraid that he was going to enforce his preferences in Christianity against the Baptists. And the word Anabaptist, the Baptists had been persecuted tremendously in Europe. The word Anabaptist, Anna means again. And they said, we're, they told the Catholic Church, we, we are going to get baptized again upon our profession of Jesus Christ. The Catholic Church said, we baptized you into the church as an infant. And they said, well, we, we weren't really cognizant of that. And the Bible does not teach infant baptism. The Bible teaches that you get baptized upon your uh, profession of your John 3, 3 born-again experience and your profession of faith. <clears throat> and then a certain day, um, the um, Catholic Church used government power to drive the, the, the Baptists into frozen water where 3,000 of them drowned in one day. They said, you, you, you want to get baptized again? I think it was in the middle of February. We're going to baptize you. And that's what they did. So in 1804, the Danbury um, uh, Connecticut Baptist Association, is, they asked Thomas Jefferson, are you going to enforce, are you going to use government power against us? Uh, to enforce your brand of Christianity against us. And he says, no, there's a wall of separation, so the government can't do that. America was founded upon the application of the Bible to civics, not separation of church and state. And the founding fathers um, had codified this application of uh, righteousness in our founding documents. They said all men are created, use capital C, created equal. We're we're endowed by our creator, capital C. Uh, Providence has given us capital P, the sovereign God, capital S. Um, They they, they mention in the Declaration of Independence, God four times, but they use these different terms. That's one, one, one of the reasons why we advocate at Liberty Christian Fellowship Church, that everybody go online and when you're, when you're reading your, your Bible, um, or analyzing anything, uh, especially one of our founding documents, go in, online and look at the 1828 uh, Noah Webster Dictionary. It was the first dictionary compiled of the American English language, and it defines many words, if not most words, by how they appear in the Bible. That, that's how Christian our country was, and in my wow. opinion, is and we're striving to create a revival that includes a reformation where we return the church back to these principles, to, the, to these founding ideas. So that's where this, the concept of a wall of separation came from. But it's, it's really been, it was in the minds of the founding fathers because they fled the government enforcement of Catholicism because Catholicism and Islam always use government power to enforce their version of religion, and which primarily results in the suppression of biblical Christianity. 
So the United States of America was actually founded on the principle that God is in the Bible are above the government, not below it. Absolutely. That's an excellent way to put that. Yes. The founding fathers realized that when God says in 10 commandment, number six, thou shalt not murder, that is giving everybody the right to not be murdered. So they gave us the second amendment right to defend ourselves from either people in government or private citizens breaking into our homes or assaulting us on the street and murdering us. And you can, I can line up all of the um, bill of rights and explain most of the bill of rights are designed to protect our 10 commandments, six through uh, 10 rights, not to be murdered, not to be sexually molested, not to be stolen from, not to be lied to or about, and not to have um, our persons, our people, our positions and our possessions coveted by evil people uh, who would either use government power or their own personal uh, criminal power to deny us uh, free autonomous use of the blessings that God gives us. And all those but things more, have been have been uh, corrupted. Well, they're only been corrupted because we put non-Bible believing people in government. Right. And what, well, what happened was if you read <clears throat> if you read the Jesuits' original uh, pledge, read the Jesuit pledge. It's in our halls of con- it's in our congressional record. Many people will call it the extreme Jesuit pledge, but I've had Jesuits tell me it's not nothing extreme about that, Earl. That's just who we are. I've had I was at a Christian conference <clears throat> teaching the Bible for a week, and people there said, "Well, you have a very um, hard Christian message," and I'm like, "No." I just have the normal Christian message. You have been what you have been taught is a watered down uh, a half gospel of hyper grace. How do you come to Christ unless you confess your sins under the Ten Commandments? Per the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments define what sin is. So you think you you're not. You, you, we've been telling people for I don't know since the '70s, come to Christ, and He will help you fulfill your own humanistic horizon of self fulfillment. Jesus is not your homeboy. He's not your servant. He's the potter with the clay. But we've given people the impression that whatever you want to do, Jesus is going to help you do it better. And that's not what what the scripture tells us to do. The Great Commission, interesting that you brought this topic up this way. The Great Commission literally says make disciples of the nations. It doesn't say make disciples of church people. Right. Because it says the nations, because if people change, they will select leaders who reflect their, their values. And those leaders will make laws that reflect those values, which we believe would be biblical values. What happened is that um, that we, we instead of putting Bible-believing Christians in our Supreme Court, the, we, we put Catholics on our Supreme Court, and Catholics don't read the Bible. But those Catholics on the Supreme Court and our Catholic governors, our Catholic legislatures, our Catholic school board members, are doing what the Catholic Church has always done. It uses government power to suppress biblical Christianity. And Satan is very clever. The only way our country could have been destroyed this way was by people who call themselves Christians, as the Catholics do, and they, would, they got nominated into office. No atheists could ever get nominated to be appointed to our U.S. Supreme Court. It had to be so-called Christians, people that call themselves Christians, but who don't read the Bible. They're not biblically oriented. And here's what I mean by that. At the Council of Milan in 313, 
and at the alleged conversion of Constantine in 325, up through 380, through this various succession of Caesars, who codified the, the false doctrines that became known as the Catholic Church, they never went back to the Bible to determine what the Bible specifically says. The Caesars wanted to proclaim themselves as God, and they made up a religion that allows the head of the religion to proclaim itself as God. And then that person just steers the religion into doing what the government wants it to do. Hmm. And the Catholic Church did not start and get um, popular by following the Bible. It achieved immediate popularity by taking every demon god being worshipped in the Roman system, the Greek system, the Phoenician system, the Babylonian and Egyptian systems, and they just reclassified them as saints. My God helps me find things. Oh, we got a saint. We're gonna you know, don't do that guy anymore. This guy is now gonna be your God. You're, you could pray to this saint. Um, my God helps me travel. And so they took every demon being worshipped, and they just reclassified it as a saint. And it is unbiblical to pray to anybody except uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Idol worship in Scripture is defined as ascribing the characteristics of the Trinity to anything that is not the Trinity, and especially Mary. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah, do not worship the queen of heaven. The Catholics and the Mormons will say to me, well, you know, uh, if God is our father, he has to have a mother. I'm like, no, he doesn't. God, Stop ascribing human characteristics and values to God. He's not like us. He's a very unique person. He is without beginning and end. He doesn't have a mother. Mary was a vessel. As a matter of fact, somebody pointed out to this at Bible study last night that Mary is not in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. God, we, he did say she's blessed among all women to, to, be the, to be the vessel to carry the Christ into the world, the Christ child into the world. Right, but that—that's the extent. We don't. Noah, we you know did did tremendous things. Moses did tremendous things. We're not praying to them, right? Why do you want to pray to Mary? Well, then, in order to justify praying to Mary, the Catholics slander the, the character of God. They say, "Well, God is too busy, so we have to ask His mother." I say, "Show me a scripture where God said He's too busy. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent." Right. In order for you to justify your sin, what the Bible calls violations of Ten Commandments 1 and 2, which is the primary sin of the universe, Satan telling Adam and Eve, you shall be like God, um, you, you, you have to slander, lie about the character of God in order to justify your sin of, of praying to Mary. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live, to be born of a virgin in obscure poverty, to live an amazing, miraculous, sinless life so that he would qualify to, as for the substitutionary death he would die for us 
That's the third thing. The fourth thing, so he will be bodily resurrected. And the fifth thing, he will be seated at the right hand of God. God did that for our salvation. And you are going to spit in his face by saying, I'm going to pray to Mary because God is too busy. The Bible calls that an insult to the blood of Christ. And and Mary is as human as you or I. Absolutely. And if you read Matthew chapter 13, she had the, the, the people say, hey, Jesus, your mother, your brothers, your sisters are out here trying to, you know, and they want to know why, what's this guy doing? He's not eating. He's surrounded by these crowds constantly. Jesus says, who's my mother and brother? But the Catholics say, no, no, that scripture can't be right because Mary was a perpetual virgin. And they lie again. Now, here's the danger of putting a Catholic in our government. And if people don't understand what I'm going to say, I don't care if it's the Sarah, I don't care what it is. The Jesuits are shrewd. They are just going to merely replace what we have with what they are. We are going to get people that are going to talk one thing, but they're going to have loyalty to the Pope, not to the Bible. And and our Constitution is based upon the Bible. So no Catholic can give us biblically consistent constitutional processes. They can't make biblically consistent constitutional provisions, decisions based upon a Bible their church tells them not to read. The Pope in their mind is the vicar, the Bible of Christ. He's God on earth. Hmm. And we need to understand this principle. I'm encouraging people, please write these down if you're listening to this. I'm going to give you a moment to get something to write with. I'm going to talk slow. Go to YouTube and look up documentaries on what they call the reformers, starting with John Wycliffe. Now, back in the 1300s, we did not have standardized spellings. So Wycliffe's name is spelled seven different ways. But you'll find him by by searching for John W-Y-C-L-I-F-F-E. Sometimes they do W-H-Y. Sometimes it's W-Y-H. But if you just put in W-Y-C-L-I-F-F-E, John Wycliffe, you'll come to commentaries on, documentaries on him. He was called by some of our founding fathers as the morning star of the American Revolution. The documentaries will call him the morning star of the Reformation because he... um, during the mid 1300s till his death in 1382-84, he proclaimed that the Bible needed to be put into the common language of all the people, so much so that a farm boy and a milkmaid would be able to understand it. And at the time, the Catholic Church had created the Dark Ages by burning at the stake all alternative thought. So when the Catholics say, well, at one time, the Catholic Church was the only church, that's a lie. If you read First and Second Corinthians or go to Liberty Christian Fellowship's church website, you can go and look at our series on First Corinthians and Second Corinthians, which we just finished before we started the book of Isaiah, and you'll see all the doctrines of the Catholic Church are being fought by Paul and the apostles uh, in First and Second Corinthians. The um, And then 2 Corinthians, Paul calls them super apostles. These super apostles want to come along, and that we know that now as Catholic priests, to say, oh, no, we have to transubstantiate. We have to mediate between you and God. And our churches need to teach the Bible line by line, 
book by book so that you can get into the details of these things so we don't paint with a very broad brush and too broad a brush when we miss the details of how uh, what Paul is actually um, um, fighting against. I, there's some really cool things about Paul, but some people, they say to me, well, you better be loving when you speak against the Catholics. You know, Paul went to the um, to, a, to Ephesus and he told, and he, and he proclaimed in Ephesus, you can't worship Diana. Paul went into the temple of Aphrodite, which was the eighth wonder of the, of the ancient world and proclaimed, you can't pray to this. This is not this, you're, you're, you need to see, going to the Corinthians, he said, you need to seek an, the unknown God, not this God. Paul went into the epicenters of sin and proclaimed to people, you have to be right with God. And the thing he proclaimed most is you have to keep, you have to keep 10 commandments, number one and two. All right, back to the reformers. The next one is John, J-O-N. Sometimes they'll, you'll see J-A-N, Hus, H-U-S-S. Go to YouTube and look up documentaries on John or Jan. Hus, Jan Hus, H-U-S-S. He was in the 1400s. And he, when the Catholic Church was burning him at the stake, they dug up Wycliffe's bones and burned Wycliffe at the stake. But when they were burning John Hus at the stake for putting the Bible into the common language of people, the Catholic Church said, Latin is the language of God. Latin's a Roman language. The Bible was originally written in Greek and in the New Testament and the Hebrew for the Old Testament. And when the Muslims attacked Constantinople over the course of a couple of centuries, <clears throat> the Greek scholars began fleeing into Western Europe. And they brought with them the first century copies of the Greek New Testament and the, and the, and the Hebrew Old Testament. And, and scholars like Wycliffe, Huss, William Tyndale, another guy you want to go look up, Zwingli, another guy you want to look up, and finally you get to Martin Luther. He was the final, he was like the final wave of the reformers attacking the beaches of Normandy. The first waves, Wycliffe and Huss, they get cut down. Tyndale gets cut down. And finally, the Germans run out of bullets. And um, what happened in, uh, in history is that the Muslims were threatening Western Europe. And the German princes, the, the Pope wanted armies to go and withstand this. And the German princes said, we'll give you an army. We'll give you our, some armies if you leave Martin Luther alone. And that's why Martin Luther survived. But the morning star of the Reformation and the morning star of, uh, of America's revolution is John Wycliffe. And John Wycliffe wrote in the foreword of his 1382 Bible that this book is for the governance of the people by the people, and for the people. And Abraham Lincoln was quoting Wycliffe at the, at the Gettysburg Address. Interesting. So we, we've got to move on for a little bit because of time constraints here, but I really want to sure. learn more about this court case. But first of all, what is Camp Constitution? Well, we, uh, um, it, it, the John Birch Society used to run these camps called Camp Constitution. They were running them poorly. And I believe that they were running them ineffectively because John Birch got taken over by Catholics and Mormons. They do still do great information and great history, but they take the Bible out of everything. And you, God isn't going to honor that. So uh, uh, everybody on the radio, Dan Bongino, everybody on the radio, uh, Gutfeld and uh, uh, Laura Ingram and the, the John Birch Society, 
The only thing they can do is creatively restate the problem. And, and I, I, I do recommend that people join the John Burke Society because at least you'll, you'll learn real American history. But they take the Bible out of everything. You got to come back to us once you understand the history, and we give you we give you the biblical foundation of it. But I can't. I don't have time to teach everybody all this American history. The John Burke Society does an excellent job of that. True history, not the reinterpretations. Anyway, so your question was: What is Camp Constitution? Yes. Okay. So the, the, they decided they weren't going to run Camp Constitutions anymore. And this, this very courageous man named Hal Shirtwell decided, you know what, we need to keep these camp, summer camps going where we teach people these principles. And Hal went and found a bunch of people like myself and other pastors and other people and other constitutionalists. And we and he uh, got some money together and he has donors. And, and, they, and they one week of summer, they rent a camp. Now he does them on weekends too around the country, but one week of summer, we rent a camp and people come in from all over America and we teach them these principles. Um, and um, it's a full summer family camp. There's sailboating, there's you know fishing, there's hiking, there's basketball, there's soccer, there's martial arts, there's you know, so it's not weapons. just sitting in an outdoor classroom reading the Bible. It, it's a lot of the activities that people enjoying the summer. Right. It's a full family summer camp, full, nice. full programming. Now and your, so, your um, position is camp construction, first amendment specialist. Can you describe yeah, what that is? I'm the first, I'm the camp constitution, first amendment specialist. Okay. Because I teach that in the first amendment of the U S constitution, the founding fathers can join five inseparable activities. Freedom of religion means freedom of biblical Christian freedom to practice first first commandments first for ten commandments one through four that we can we 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 have the right to worship only God we have the right to worship God free from idol worship uh, and imagery we have the right to um, not hear the Lord's name in vain used in public all the time ten commandment number three and we have the right to honor the Sabbath which for true Bible believing people every day is a Sabbath day and that's why our historical buildings have Bible verses carved into them by architectural design. The reason the founding fathers give in the first amendment, you have freedom of biblical Christianity, which is freedom of religion. You got freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble and freedom to redress the government of grievances. Biblical Christianity is the guide for how we administer the other inseparable activities of freedom of the speech, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble and freedom to redress the government of grievances. How do I know what is appropriate and inappropriate freedom of speech? The, the Bible tells me so. How the press is supposed to be reporting as criminal behavior that which the Bible calls public sin. You want to do something weird with a, a person of another another consenting adult in the privacy of your own home, that's fine. Go do what you want to do. That'll be that will be between you and God. And trust me, it will be between you and God on judgment day. Right. But if you want to parade it out in the street, or if you start abusing somebody against their will or a child who is at, not at the age of consent. Then you make it public business. Now the public has a right to get involved, and we want to administer biblical forms of righteousness and justice in that situation. The press should be reporting as we don't want to go around looking your private windows, but the, if you, once it becomes public business, public sin, the press should be reporting that. The press should be reporting as noteworthy the things that the Bible calls praiseworthy. The the, the 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 first pressman, popular pressman in the in the United States of America was Ben Franklin. 
and Ben Franklin, who they claim is a non-believer, Ben Franklin published all of George Whitfield's materials in the United States of America, which promoted America's first great awakening. America started as a Christian nation, but they killed during the Cotton Mather days, they killed about 22 people uh, in witch trials. And then the public kind of recoiled and said, we can't, we got to find another way to do this. We can't be doing this to people. And so the, 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 about, for about 70 years, the country began to stray away from its biblical foundation. And God sent George Whitfield to America to call America back to the application of the Bible, every aspect of life, including civics. And our founding fathers, who allegedly weren't Christians, listened. I learned this by reading Samuel Adams' biography, autobiography. Um, he got saved at uh, George Whitfield events. He went to like 11 of them. And I think at the ninth one or, uh, or seventh or so he got, he came to Christ, but he kept following the guy and George Whitfield. Um, unlike J John Wesley, they were contemporaries and friends. John Wesley during the American revolution, he called all of his um, pastors back to England. Uh, Cause he loved being Anglican and, you know, Anglican church is really Catholic light and um, it's, it's Catholicism without a Pope. It's the Catholicism with the uh, the Bishop of Canterbury being the head of the church. Well, really, it's the king. The king of England proclaims himself that, too. So there's always kind of a struggle between those two roles, you know, the, 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 the Bishop of or the Cardinal of Canterbury and the king of England. But, but you can track the persecution of Christians in England, depending on the faith of the kings and the, the, the tutors, the people in charge right now. They're Catholics, and England's having a hard time getting its freedom because the Catholic Church does not promote biblical freedoms. It promotes the, it promotes uh, um, totalitarianism under the Pope, and the Pope okay, is so a mob. Let's let's move move okay. forward a little bit here because, like I said, we're we're getting short on oh, time. Um, I know right. you have some place to be uh, at a certain time, and I'm trying to keep you in within that confines and be able to complete this interview. So, yep. um, the 2017 constitution day event in Boston, Massachusetts, was that a camp constitution event? Yes. Was it the first time it was ever held in Boston? No. Okay. So did they fly the Christian flag at the other times they had the event there? I'm not exactly sure. Okay. But, but the they were denied being able to do that at this particular event. Yes. <clears throat> so uh, what and, was and the, the, the Supreme Court heard the case finally um, this mm -hmm. last month, right? Right. How did that go, in your opinion? Uh, well, the, the, they wouldn't let anybody into the courtroom except the lawyers. <clears throat> so I, my first hand, I we went to the Supreme Court and I did a couple speeches outside of the Supreme Court because the, the um, law firm um, uh, uh, of Matt Staver, who's representing us, <clears throat> they put up a sound system and we did a we did a rally out in front of the Supreme Court. Well, my so my firsthand information of what took place in the court comes from the Epoch Times. So this, the, the challenge is, is that the, the, the Catholic Supreme Court, there are seven Catholics on the Supreme Court, even Black Judge Thomas is a Catholic. If you look up Roberts and you look up Ken, Elena Kagan and some of these other ones, they're going to say, well, they practice their own version of Catholicism. There's no such thing as your own version oh. of Catholicism, right? You, they just say that, but they don't want everybody to know that they're papists, that they're being controlled by, and they're taking the orders from the Vatican. 
11 days after Judge Robert Stewart son of the Obamacare bus, he was on the Isle of Malta teaching a Vatican law course. If we had separation of church and state, why would that happen? What we have is we have separation of biblical Christianity from the state. Anyway, uh, Chief Ju- here's what the Epoch Times reports. Chief Justice John Roberts asked Matt Staber, Liber- our Liberty Council um, lawyer, that if the flagpole is a government forum, and this is a government speech, they can certainly discriminate on the basis of that viewpoint, right? Staver said that would not be correct if it's government speech. But it's not government speech. The challenge I have with what Matt Staver said is I just explained to you that all government, original government speech in America was biblical speech. It's only that we have non-biblical Christians so-called Christians in our, on our court that want to separate the Bible from the, the, the from government speech. Our original government speech was all biblical speech. Staber told Justice Amy Coney Barrett that Boston simply wanted to use government speech as a guise for censorship. That certainly is true. Justice Elena Kagan asked Staver, Matt Staver, Liberty Council. Whether if someone asked Boston to display a swastika on a flagpole, the city would have to go along with that request. Staver replied, if it's a designated public forum, I think the answer is yes. Wrong answer. Yeah. Our constitution. Yeah. Our declaration of independence says that all men are created equal. The swastika is 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 a representative of the philosophy of the Aryan of Aryan racial supremacy propagated by the German Nazi party during the 1930s. Original American government speech was biblical speech. And if you don't understand the Ten Commandments, our Ten Commandments rights, you're not going to understand what I mean by that. And that's why we're, we're, we're promoting what I call the biblical basis of the Bill of Rights, a booklet we're going to talk about at the end of, the, of today. But if you don't understand that booklet, the, the U.S. Constitution doesn't even make sense to people. Once you understand your Ten Commandments rights, and you understand and you and you read the Declaration of Independence as it was intended to be a Christian statement of how the Bible applies to civics. No atheist would have written that our that our um, our Creator gives us our inalienable rights, as is stated in the Declaration of Independence. We have all these biblical statements in our founding documents, but they're, they're trying to convince us that atheists wrote them. That's not true. They were Bible believing people. We have liars on our Supreme Court, who are Catholics, that don't read the Bible. And if you listen to Catholic doctrine, it's a lie against scripture. And if they will lie to you about who God is, what won't they lie to us about? The problem with with, uh, Elena Kagan's statements is that Nazi flag, the Nazi flag is not free public speech in America. It's It's an inappropriate expression of public speech because it stands for Aryan supremacy. And our Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal. The Black Lives Matter flag would be not appropriate in the United States for the same reason. All men are created equal. Jesus didn't die for black people. Black people, just because of the color of your skin, you're not superior to anybody else. Um, the uh, um, During the court case, the, the, the hearing, Justice Stephen Breyer said that anybody in his right mind who saw a flag flying outside City Hall would think it does have something to do with the city. I would agree with that. But in in Boston Commons, everybody knows that the fourth flagpole to the right is the public flagpole. I can make a 
slogan or a flag on a white t-shirt and if i got a permit i hoist my flag and, and everybody knows all oh, that flag is for the it's for the public that's not really city speech but along the same lines justice sonia mayor says uh justice sonia sotomayor said to an ordinary observer walking past city hall if you see a flag on the pole you think it's the city hall speaking and i would say that is, if you want to say that that's true, that's fine with me. But this is why government, America's government institutions were meant to be run by people who meet the Puritan criteria of being one, Bible-believing, two, born again, and three, are living under the Holy Spirit's active discipleship conviction to live by and administer all they do according to the God's Ten Commandments. Because that type of speech would be both consistent for appropriate government processes and appropriate private citizen processes. Once you separate biblical speech, the biblical application to free speech, you get all kinds of, of, of speech that's inappropriate for certain types of people. Not, but the Bible categorizes all people the same. It says we're all sinners, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody can be saved. God says, for whosoever believes, I'll... I'll, I'll I'll, I'll accept you. I'll receive you. The founding fathers gave us the um, the freedom of religion and freedom of speech in the same amendment because they knew that that was the only way to efficiently uh, fulfill the Great Commission and make disciples of the nations. So <clears throat> one more. I've got one more. Go for it. The Biden administration, everybody's uh, touting the Biden administration is a, is a siding with Camp Constitution, and they are not. That's a smokescreen. In a colloquy with Justice Neil Gorsuch, Department of Justice lawyer, Sopan Joshi, suggested fashioning a policy that would restrict the third flagpole to national flags alone. Should have been the fourth flagpole, I think. The national flag. In other words, the justice, the Biden Justice Department is saying, well, we want the public flag to be restricted to national flags. We don't want people making up any flag they want. So we can put China well, up there? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. That's where they're going. Oh, my goodness. It would limit the free domestic speech of private individuals in favor in favor of international globalism speech. Mm, mm, mm. So I know the Supreme Court has not um, rendered a decision yet. Do you get a feel for what you think that decision might be and when it will be coming about? Well, everyone's saying they're going to side on the on the side of free speech. And here's the challenge <laughs> with that statement. Um, last summer, people were calling me up and, you know, hey, Earl, you got to watch this case. The Supreme Court is supporting the free speech of a 17 year old girl, as it turned out, to curse out her cheerleading squad online. Well, that's not the free speech that America was built upon. Free, the free speech that America was built upon has parameters around, has biblical parameters around it. Right. If you, if if our Catholic Supreme Court was truly the Bible-believing Christians that everybody thinks they are, they would put the Bible back in our schools. Since twenty, I'm sorry, since the 1980s, our Supreme Court has punted. They will not 
publicly receive or review a case by private citizens or mayors or city councils or legislatures or anybody else saying, we want you to stop tearing down these historical monuments that have our biblical symbols on them, primarily the Ten Commandments. Because if the Supreme Court heard a case like that, they would decide against the Ten Commandments and we would know exactly the the, the demonically inspired people that we're dealing with because Satan poses as an angel of light. They also will not hear a Roe v. Wade case. Everybody says they're going to hear a Roe v. Wade case. You go read those cases. They're not true Roe v. Wade cases. They're not. It's not a level playing field. They don't want to. They don't want to undo abortion. Despite what everybody said, well, the Catholics are for. They're pro life and they're and they're anti homosexual. Well, then why are all the priests in jail for raping kids? Mm-hmm. They only let you. I had Jesuits tell me this forty years ago. We only. We only present it at the front end of our organization. I said, come on, you guys are the society of Jesus for crying out loud. And he goes, well, if we called ourselves the society of Satan, would we get very far? Wow. He goes, and the Jesuit, the, the Jesuit said to me for three and a half years, number one, one of my college professors, number one, remember we are Jesuits. Number two, we have sworn to abolish Christianity. Number three, we will bring the world under the domination of the Pope. And number four, homosexualities are our culture. Number four, what do you mean homosexuality is your culture? The Catholic Church is anti-homosexual and they're pro-life. He goes, eh, you can't work in the Vatican unless you're homosexual. You know who said the same thing? Martin Luther, John Wycliffe. Go look at their documentaries on YouTube. Wow. Um, well, even when all the priests were getting arrested around this area, we have a father, his name is John Bertolucci, was on TV every Sunday morning. He's in jail for child rape. So uh, what do you think um, that the three Supreme Court is going to rule on this case? Well, I think they're going to try to come down on the side of, they're going to try to give us the impression they're supporting free speech, but they're not going to be supporting biblical speech, the, the foundational the foundational speech of our country. I think they're going to move. They're going to move to use this case to move the ball further away from our biblical foundation under the guise of giving us freedom. They're, they're, what they're going to give us is a free for all. Now, you said yeah, um, before giving. we got on on this uh, recording, you you said that they were going to render a decision, they think, by June. Yes. Time in June. Yes, by June. Most and certainly a, to- a lesson in here for all of us. Um, the time we're in has been named the Great Awakening. For me, I've learned a lot more in the past year about our U.S. Constitution than I ever did in school. Do you see America as a whole waking up to what has been quietly corrupting our country for many, many decades? I do, because um, <clears throat> five years ago, um, I would go to organizations and um say what I had to say, and then I, they would nod politely and I would never hear from them again. Now they're calling me on the phone and we're going back and forth. I'm in multiple text groups, multiple email groups. Uh, I can't even keep up with them all. Um, and a lot of it's correcting people. No, no, no. The Bible says this, and here's the application. Be careful. that They may be promoting that, but this is what the Bible says. This is how it applies to civics. Here's our founding documents. Be careful. They're, they're subtly trying to steer you away. And I've had multiple organizations contact me and say, will you get on our board and help us you know, stay on the straight and narrow? I can't get on everybody's board. You know, we're, we're trying to raise up as many people within um, uh, Liberty Christian Fellowship Church to get them out on the road, to get them speaking to these groups. I've been in Ohio three times. 
Um, I've been in Florida, uh, California, um, New Jersey, um, Connecticut multiple times, uh, Vermont, obviously next door state multiple times. I'm in New York state. We've been in Maine. Um, but I, I believe the word is starting to spread. The, the challenge is, is that I said before, if people do not understand the biblical, what we call the biblical basis of the Bill of Rights, if they don't understand their rights in relation to the Ten Commandments, they're, they're, then we're going to be duped. There's mm. new political parties rising up and they've got like 90 page platforms and we're like, nope, uh-uh. No one's going to read it. Well, their people will, their candidates will. But why do you need that? You better make sure it's consistent with the, with these ten things. So, where do you rights. see the future of our country going now? And what I mean by that is, do you have more hope today for the future of our country than you did a year ago? Yes. Awesome. Yes, but but our hope is based on reality. Right. Um, we have a tremendous struggle uh, ahead of us. And even if we get all these Naceras and we get the, you know, Donald Trump get, is able to get a, a bigger bullhorn uh, and Mike Lindell with this with these uh, new alternative media forums. If people like me can't get into those forums and get this word out, and that's why I'm so appreciative of you, Nancy, for the moment we talked to me, you, you understood this stuff and you've given, helped me get, get, give me a voice here. Um, we're going to replace what we have with what we are. With what we're going to we're going to replace what we have with people that are built that are that are they have the same loyalties they belong to the same secret societies they have the same secret back end, uh, back uh, um, room deals being made and we're going to think we're getting freedom and they're just going to enslave us another way and that's and that's why we're we're um, we've got to scrutinize everyone. Right. But and we and we need to in, instruct everybody from the highest levels of our government on down, the people trying these patriots trying to write our, our, our ship of state. Our ship of state has been scuttled by a concept called separation of church and state. They have moored us on a unbiblical um uh um reef. When, and then if it's unbiblical, it's also unconstitutional. We are moored on an unbiblical, unconstitutional reef that uses all these terms, freedom of this and freedom of speech, but they're not giving us the biblical paradigms upon which those things are administered in our founding documents, which is the, are the only founding documents on the face of the earth that give man his best, greatest hope of achieving the way God wants us to live. When people violate the 10 commandments against us, they are violating the way God wants us to live. Absolutely. Now, Earl, you sent me a link to help me prepare for today's podcast. And it was a video where you went into great detail, the scriptural basis for our constitution. It was really, really good. May Thank I have you. your permission to share that link in today's show notes? Absolutely. Awesome. We have nothing to hide. Every link that we send everybody, send it everywhere you want. Okay. Please. So how can my listeners connect with you? Okay. Our church phone number is 518-635-1127. I'm going to give it out again. 518 518- Six three five one one two seven. You can write and request uh, liberty our, our biblical basis of Bill of Rights booklet, which the title of it is 
the Bible is the source of America's constitutional rights, or we call it the Biblical Basis of Bill of Rights booklet. By writing Liberty Christian Fellowship Church, or you can just say LCF Church, Liberty Christian Fellowship Church, P.O. Box 235, Latham, that's L-A-T-H-A-M, New York, 12110. Or you go to libertycf.org, L-I-B-E-R-T-Y, C for Christian, F for fellowship, or Charles Frank. .org. You can also go to libertycfchurch.org. Both of them point to the same uh, location on the web, and you can contact us that way. And that's, once again, Liberty Christian Fellowship Church, P.O. Box 235, Latham, L-A-T-H-A-M, New York, 12110. Okay, and do you have an email address? We're, we're trying to get these booklets out. Uh, our email address, my email address is pastor, or uh, well, you can also email us at office at libertycfchurch.org. And I'm Pastor Earl at libertycfchurch.org. Okay, so what's on the horizon for you, Earl? What's what's next on your radar? Well, we're, we're, we've been doing events. Uh, there, there are people at my church who work for America's Frontline Doctors. Their pharmaceutical head and their Northeast volunteer coordinator actually is the assistant pastor of our church. Uh, we're doing events. We're, we're, we're implementing this information into events for them. Um, every time we turn around, people are inviting us to more and more events. Uh, we, we also have another organization that we're getting up and running called Liberty Bell Alliance 76 which is going to be the, the political version of, um, of, of all that we're doing. And um, it's a political outreach event. We've done, we've done multiple events under that banner. We have T-shirts and different things. Uh, and I'm praying for a revival. See, the Bible says in Galatians 3.24 that uh, the law is a tutor that shows us our need of Christ. You can't keep the law, so you need forgiveness. You need to, you need to have salvation through Christ. And so we believe that we're headed for a real revival this time. We're teaching the law, the Ten Commandments, even though we teach them positively as your rights. The Holy Spirit has revealed to us over the past four years that people are understanding that they're not right with God and they need to get right with God. So in our events, we lead people to Christ. And um, we explain to them how, you, how what John 3, 3 means to be born again. And he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. We're, we're anticipating a real revival where people confess their sins before God and they, and they get salvation in Christ. Oh, that's awesome. But we also want them to understand that the Great Commission says make disciples of the nations. We don't expect people to mouth a prayer and then to go seek their own humanistic horizon of self-fulfillment in the name of Christ. We want, we are, we're, help, we're helping people understand you, God calls us to be disciples. That's a close follower of Jesus Christ. He's the potter with the clay. You want to turn your life over to the, um, to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ 
of to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, allow the Holy Spirit to transform us into what God wants us to be. And that transformation always changes the things around us transform people, transform culture. We're not separation of church and state people. We are not, we're not putting God in a church box. The Bible applies to every aspect of life, including civics. And if people go back and get reconnected to those reformers, William Tyndale, John Huss, uh, John Calvin, I left out John Calvin, and, uh, and, uh, and, and John Wycliffe, um, we will see how God inspired those people to get the Bible into the hands of the common people. And the common people transformed culture, which became Western civilization. Western civilization is nothing more than how Christianity civilized the Western world. And we are, uh, I believe, on the verge of a reformation that is going to bring us back to those principles. Amen. That's, That's my hope and desire as well. Earl, it has been such a pleasure having you back on the show today. Thanks so much for being here with me. I learn something new every time I have the opportunity to speak with you. So let's not wait another year before having you on again. (laughs) Is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? Uh, No, there is not. I just want to say I appreciate uh, your venue. And I, 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 from the moment we talked, you, you understood these things and you had me on your show. And um, I appreciate that. And I, I believe that voices and, and forums like yours are foundational to what God wants to do in our nation in such a time as this. So I really appreciate uh, you um, uh, sticking with me and giving me more opportunities to uh, explain these things to people. Absolutely. Well, you're welcome. And thank you for that. Well, folks, if Earl has inspired you today, or maybe you'd like more information about his church and how you can support him there, all of this, these links can be found in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and were inspired to begin living your best life with purpose. Be sure to click the subscribe button or go to callstockradio.com and join our mailing list to be notified first when new episodes are available. For more information about anything on today's show, head on over to causetalkradio.com. Click on the podcast link to locate this episode's post. There you will find all the information covered on today's podcast, including links for easy navigation.